Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 4th, 2009. And we're going to continue the study we're doing uh, with uh, Russ Dizdar and Steve Quayle regarding the interview that they're having. And we're going to go ahead and just uh, roll the tape here and let them talk some more. So they're going to have a big meeting. Listen, they are they are targeted uh, against U.S. military and within U.S. military against, you know, U.S. Uh, politicians. Let me just mention real quickly, if anybody, because many people do know at least. Okay, so this is talking about the G20 that already took place in Pittsburgh. This much. And I, and I saw that you were on with Alex Jones. You know, he went into Bohemian Grove. We had a monarch, this one from I told you before, Fort Bragger. They, they came in. I dealt with them for years. They sat down in 1993, right in my de- right in front of me. They asked me for paper, and they, 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 I gave them 17 by 11 like size paper, and they, they began to draw pictures like it looked like a park, little cabins and little other places. And then they drew this one picture I looked at. It's a great big owl, and uh, they had a little human like uh, carrying it, ca- being carried by these robed people, and. They even had the, like, screeching sounds and whatever, and they showed people over on the other side of the woods. This is in 1993, and I'm asking this Monarch Project, military-trained, highly powerful person, who said they wanted to get out. Now, remember, the Monarch, he's, he's a Monarch, monarch mind-control slave that we had mentioned earlier, one of the government's um, projects where they actually created these slaves and or super soldiers. And I actually, in the pedophilia teaching I just mentioned, we had, I believe toward the very end of it, we had a whole, um, we talked about the Bohemian Grove, and then I did another teaching on the Bohemian Grove after that. We talked specifically about the owl, um, and that it's most likely representative of Lilith, and not Moloch. But if you want to know more about that, you can research that on Sermon Audio. Let's go further. I said, what's all this about? They said, well, you've never heard of this. And I said, no. They said, well, this is Bohemian Grove. Here's where all the monarchs are taken. And a lot of monarchs that might be listening to you, Steve, right now on this station, the ones that were created in the 50s and 60s would have been taken to Bohemian Grove for sexual practices during the night. Unwitting politicians, media moguls, military men would also be purposely invited by the elitist Luciferians. But for what reason? Here's what Christians don't understand, but Luciferians do. When those politicians we've seen in the pictures with, with, uh, with um, Alex Jones on the videos and so forth, you see all of them sitting on one side of that little lake-like area. You see this great big massive owl, the fires, and everything else. You see the hooded people coming down on the other side with this, what they call an effigy. Every victim from Bohemian Grove says, it's not an effigy, it's not a fake, it's a real human being. And they're taken and thrown into the fires with pre-rituals that have been done for this reason. To summon powers to send on those politicians, those wealthy men, those world leaders, those military people that they've invited. Just like Revelation 16. They are preparing them. They are sending. They understand targeted spiritual warfare. So I would say the same would be true. Uh, in small events and big events, that uh, they are seeking, like Christians used to seek revival and pray for God's power to come and revival to hit and hundreds of people to get saved, they understand this. They're praying, seeking in ritual format for powers to be unleashed, to strike, to influence, to dazzle, to bring manifestation 
And uh, ultimately that means on that side of the fence, not peace that God gives to us in Christ, but the powers right now of eventual chaos, anarchy, yes, uh, the United States is in for. I'm telling you, everyone in, in the years that I've dealt with, they call it, their terminology is black awakening, the idea of a satanic revival Pentecost in which thousands of them will be unleashed to create anarchy on the streets, killing people, bringing America to its knees, the goal to collapse society in preparation for somebody who can come and save the day. Well, that, that's total confirmation of what we've been reporting ever since this ministry started. And um, notice he said that this at the ritual at the Bohemian Grove, and the one I'm thinking of is the cremation of care, that's literally a real person in there. Now, maybe if the person doesn't move, maybe they're sedated, I don't know, but they put them into a fire. And um, human sacrifice is really the norm at that level of people in the Illuminati and high-level governments. It's the norm, okay? And, and this is how human sacrifice is the ultimate way to vampirize and, and to uh, um, try to attain more power. And these people, the richest, uh, most powerful men in the world, come to the Bohemian Grove primarily for this purpose, so that they can receive the satanic blessing. And as Russ is talking about, this black awakening uh, that is coming, which is going to be like a counterfeit of anything good and godly. It's going to be a black awakening. And as I have said before, you know, the Bible talks about the Antichrist is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. He's going to be speaking dark sentences. He's going to be probably the highest adept uh, entity on the planet regarding the witchcraft. And this is the very way that he's going to um, be able to you know, um, use all lying signs and wonders and powers is through this particular power that he will possess. So let's go further. Well, and I think, uh, by the way, let me read this to you. A mutual friend of ours said the Laurel Caverns uh, to Bedford, PA, across from the Nemacolon, N-E-M-A-C-O-L-I-N, Nemacolon, Woodlands. Nemacolon. Yeah, uh, Nemacolon, the Bruderhof, COVID, directly across the National uh, Road Route 40, okay? Now, this, I believe, is the area that our mutual friend, Russ, told me that they literally have such electromagnetic emanations that they, they've literally seen the aurora borealis type effect there. Well, that would mean to me that that must be a stargate because whenever, and, and ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to believe it or not, they exist. So whenever you have, if you will, severe energy vortexes or the, if you will, the electromagnetic aura of a severe electromagnetic vortex, usually those are in the area of a gate. Would it not be conceivable then that they who want the unleashing of all that hell contains will be summoning up all that hell contains? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, again, uh, it's like if, if all Christians quit praying today, didn't go to church, didn't do anything, see, the laws of engagement are the same. God never did, never did a miracle, a sign or wonder without using a redeemed person to come through. This is what we see in the book of Acts. The power that struck in Acts chapter 4, that he actually physically shook the building, came through people who were praying and seeking the Lord, and, and they were wanting that boldness and power to come. So the laws of engagement are this. Um, God doesn't do or release power, but through redeemed individuals. That's true of Moses and the miracles in the, in the Old Testament. That's true of Jesus showing up, or the apostles in the book of Acts, or today. 
If I don't go out and witness or pray for revival or use authority to pray against demonic stuff, there is no release of, uh, of the weaponry and the power and grace and mercies of God. Uh, we can shut it up like Sardis did and become dead. They have the same law of engagement. Satan can't operate, do counterfeit miracle signs, wonders, can't create uh, the kind of, um, well, like Helena Blavatsky and Alice Bailey, Luciferian doctrine to set the stage, you know, 50 years ago. None of that can be done without them doing this. The problem is they have, they have grown so much in the underground, they have learned more, they even call it blitzkrieg, lightning warfare. To hit and hit and hit and hit, they might have coven meet for covens to meet simultaneously, uh, triangulate their coven meetings in different places, and uh, seek the powers. Uh, they might do it in a region. They might do it in a state. They're obviously doing it nationally. And biblical prophecy says there's a mother of all of these kind of openings. That's Revelation 16. It's a planetary, a global release. Um, that will bring about... And there's no Armageddon without this, Steve. That's what I think people, even military people that talk about it and consider the concepts of future war and future military, there is no Armageddon without Revelation 16. The dragon, the beast, the false prophet, out of their mouths in ritual format, they send demonic power to the kings and military leaders and political leaders and gather them. That's what gathers them. It's a supranatural power only can be contested by the direct authority of Christ. Um, but we're coming to the days when so many people in the world and political powers and military powers that have been seduced and opened the doors to these dark presences and so forth. Um, it's almost like they're getting to the point of, uh, past the point of no return, Steve. That's my concern. You know, when, you know, when the mark comes, there is no return. And, and we're getting close to where I think they're so powered up I'm, I'm meeting some of these people, and I'm telling you right now, there are some what they're called, you know, people say they're victims of satanic ritual abuse. They're chosen ones that we've engaged and engaged and engaged and engaged and engaged that have chosen to stay where they're at. They want the powers, they believe in the powers, they're sold out to the powers, and they've said very clearly, we look forward to meeting you in the battlefield. Well, and again... Okay, so... <laughs> that should get you fired up. Here he just said, and the last thing he said... These chosen ones, notice how the pride, oh, I'm a chosen one, um, chosen by Satan. They're looking forward to engaging us, us Christians, on the battlefield. That's what, that's, I mean, that's like a, to me, that's like a challenge to Jesus Christ. It's a challenge to his church. I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to it too. I'm not saying that because I'm bragging. I, I'm saying because I know what the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it be me or anyone else, I know what the Lord Jesus Christ can do. Uh, I've seen it too many times. And for the ones that have faith to engage, there's going to be a lot of these chosen ones that have a real rude awakening. And hopefully, maybe some of them will wake up and get saved. But, now see, the reason I say that is because, can you see at this point if, let's say this becomes this type of literal warfare. They're engaging us on the battlefield. Um, whether that be whether they're having a COVID meeting 40 miles away from us, and um, we're praying against these types of things. I, I think very little of this is going on, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this teaching. But if 
they are defeated, okay, in given instances. And I understand the Bible says that Satan is, is going to wear down the saints and, and, and these types of things, but he always preserves a remnant. And that remnant the Lord can use mightily in the day and times to come, and if he can use that remnant in a mighty way to defeat them in certain instances. And through those defeats, I believe many can be saved. That's the ultimate reason you want to have victory. I mean, once you're already saved, the best thing that you could possibly do is, is um, participate in the salvation of others, uh, whether it be prayer or directly witnessing to them or, or however the Lord may use you. But uh, they're looking forward to this. And, um, you know, I just think it's not something we want to back down to uh, if, if we're ever put in a position where we have to deal with them. And I've talked a lot about different uh, ways evil manifests on the planet. Uh, but it doesn't matter how it manifests. They all are going to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last. So that's, we win in the end, okay? If we die in this battle, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They've done us a favor. In other words, okay, death is the gateway to heaven for a born-again Christian. Not really a bad deal. Granted, if I have to die, you know, I'm not going to say I wouldn't want to go quick, not exactly preferring torture, but the thing is, is we can't sit here and live in fear about, oh, what if I get tortured? Then I won't have the faith to endure. You, you can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. We are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus, is what the Bible says. So, um... Let's just dwell on the positive things about the warfare that um, really we, we need to be engaging in. I mean, we, we, should, we should be doing this. If, can you imagine um, if Christians were actually engaging this in the churches across America and they were right with God? Well, America wouldn't be in the position that it's in. And I understand that's the, the Lord's will and the Bible predicts it's going to happen. But we want to try to warn as, and wake up as many people as we can. So let's go to the next part. Question: what, uh, Somebody's asking me, what should Christian warriors do to counter the upcoming Luciferian Illuminati blood sacrifice and the energizing of all the attendees where plans for the destruction of America and the world are being put into final overdrive in their end game, and I would add, with all of their blood sacrifices? What would you do now? Tonight I'm calling all the intercessors worldwide and in the United States of America to battle this in the spirit. But what are what else? What what's, when I say tactical, I have a statement on my show. Tactical is practical. So in in this, how would you say if you've got people that feel that God is calling them, and every Christian should be called to withstand evil? That's what the Book of Hebrews says. But what are what are the practical things they can do, Russ? Because I'm getting a lot of emails. Uh, you know, and people ask me to ask you, how do they fight this stuff? Okay, before I let him say that, remember, the Bible does say, for this cause, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the wicked one. Okay, that's why he came. Okay, so you can literally um, be Christ-like in that regard and be a follower of Christ and have a heart for the things that Christ had a heart for. I mean, let's face it, everywhere Jesus Christ went, he was confronted with, with demonic things, whether it be through people or whether it literally be through spirits where he was casting out things and dealing with wickedness and evil. He, you know, Satan confronted him. I mean, this was 
this was very much a part of, of the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as a born-again Christian. So, um, just to kind of keep that in mind as, as we talk about these things. Sure, I think the uh, principles laid out in, in Nehemiah 4, where there's both like a sword in one hand, a brick in the other. I think the principle is seen in the book of Acts on the day of, uh, on, on chapter 4. They prayed for the power of God to come upon them, and it did. That was one side. Now, the other thing is we find in Acts six, uh, 7 and going into 8, murderous threats, the church was scattered, you know, Stephen had been killed, Saul was harsh as was out. What was, what, was, what was Philip doing? He didn't go hide. He stayed completely committed to the Great Commission, and, uh, and he went right into a city who had a high priest of high power and literally brought the kingdom there. If we understand that we carry, in a sense, the kingdom, we carry the, we are the, the vessels through which the advancement of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the manifestation of the kingdom, we receive it all by faith. But Steve, we don't manifest it, but by obedience. That's a good we receive statement. receive it by faith, and we, we manifest the kingdom by in obedience. Um, soul winning brings great power. Prayer is a release and manifestation of power. Praise, obviously. You and I understand when we, you know, God inhabits the idea that there's a manifestation, a felt sense of the dunamis, the power of God. So on the one hand, pour out the prayers for the power of God, the extension of the kingdom, do all that we know to do, knowing that we have greater authority, knowing that we have God the Holy Spirit inside, knowing that uh, we are to pray this way like in Acts. And guess what happened? Great power came, sign wonder came, people got saved, healed and delivered. Now, on the other side, I would say this. This is now a time since we, we have been given an authority to trample dark powers. I've learned maybe back in the 70s, that dealt with when somebody was demonized, you dealt with it face to face. Now, we have to realize it's broader than that. In the air around us, because of the feeling and manifestation, we need to pray against it. We need to pray against where we feel the Spirit of God is targeting authority against satanic presence and power, against objects that might be demonized that have been brought in, against places that were once ritual, like just Josiah was called to do, and, and then to trample those places and to, and to, and to crush those places and, and to destroy the, the altars at Tobiath where Moloch worship and Manasseh you know, sacrificed his own son. So I think that we need to be on the offensive, Absolutely. not on the defensive. We need to be going into areas, unleashing prayers that bring the manifestation of the kingdom of God, and at the same time, targeting the demonic realm. And we need, we need the Spirit of God's discernment, because years ago, when I first met this one you know, person I, I've been telling you about, um, one of the most powerful ones, spoke five languages, by the way, including ancient languages that you and I have never, Oguam, Belfishari, of these other Pictish languages, used in summoning demonic powers. Yep. They really knew what they were doing. Now, they, um, when we met them this one time, they, they asked me straight out about, you know, you know, you, you know, snidely saying, you Christians aren't like us. At our meetings, every person is committed. Every person is doing it. Every person is involved in the summoning, the practice, whatever it is, in what they're gathering. It's not just an orgy. They, we've got to get that out of our mind. They're not just having an orgy. They're summoning powers. They have their pre-chosen targets in an area, neighborhood, wherever, a city, and then they're summoning to release them late at night 
That's why across the nation you're hearing people saying, at 3 o'clock in the morning, something hit me. Something came to our house. Something woke me up. I felt something, a shiver. Something came through my house. It's always around that late hour. Why? Because that's when they're all done. They, From 12 o'clock on, they've raised the powers, they've done the stuff, and then they've released them. It's kind of like the dogs being released on their targets. Haven't we understood that scripturally, we should, when we're doing warfare against the enemy, that's what I learned with this person. They told me where their coven is. They told me the region. They told me names, coven names at least. So what I did, I went home, wrote it down on paper. That's when I looked in the, in the book of Timothy, chapter 2, where it says that, first of all, and with urgency, prayers. Now, it uses two Greek words, one for general prayers and then thesis, one for specific. It's the thing you would write down. That's what the Lord showed me to use in what we called warfare mapping. So what I did is I took the names of all the coven members, this person's name, the locations, when they're going to meet, everything about them, and I put it on a piece of paper. And I just began to say, Lord, give me anything else on this. And I began to pray against. I prayed for their salvation, of course, but I also prayed against the demonic powers. Lord, destroy the demonic powers. Rebuke those powers. I took team members to do the same thing. This is the truth. Again, before the Lord. Uh, the law enforcement agent brought this person back about uh, almost a month later. The moment they got out of their car, they came bolting out of their car at me, saying, what did you do? Did you do your spiritual warp? I mean, this real snide, you know, mean remark. And I knew what I did. I just smiled. I wouldn't even answer them. I just I said, why? What happened? And they just sneered, and they said, because we haven't been able to get, we haven't been able to summon a spirit for three weeks. Okay, now that's the power, kind of power we actually possess as born-again Christians. You might have heard Bill Schneblin's testimony where he was, like, doing every manner of, you know, wicked thing. You know, he was in the uh, high priest of voodoo and first church of Satan and a Gnostic Catholic uh, priest, and he was into vampirism and, oh, my word, he was a high-level druid. He, um, and one day he got a canceled check back from his first Church of Satan dues uh, that he had paid, and it was a canceled check, and it said, I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name on the check. And from that point, he lost all of his powers. He was he said he was one of the most powerful warlocks in all of western Michigan, and he said literally one little praying lady on her knees, clear across the country, um, basically um, took him out. And so, this is the type of power that we possess, but we don't really realize, I guess, a lot of times we, we possess it. It's not something that's typically, um, this type of subject is something that's usually not taught in the churches. And uh, if they did, you know, I think they'd be afraid, oh, there's going to be this mass exodus of people out of the church and these types of things. It's not going to be popular. It's too militant. Whatever the reason may be, they're, they're going to have to answer uh, to the Lord. But this is really the reality of our battle. And in this way, this should really increase our strength. And he was actually given very specific things to pray for. Coven names, members of the coven. And I think that when we can be very specific in prayer, many times the Lord moves in, in a, uh, a greater way than more of a generalized type of prayer. Why that is, I'm not 100% sure. But he gets more glory. I know that. If you specifically pray about something in a specific way and then it comes to pass, you know it just can't be by chance the more specific your prayer becomes. So I, I think it's uh, 
a greater way that, that the Lord Jesus Christ can can get glory from a situation. And um, uh, let's go ahead and go further. That's that's what you know. Prayer is real. Ask you shall receive. Seek you shall find. Not. It is it is powerful. No healing came without it. No deliverance occurs without that oral speaking and commanding and ordering them. But that can be applied to regions, to areas where you feel. If you go to an area and say, I really feel the darkness here. Well, begin to pray. Say, Lord, reveal what's going on. Pray for the kingdom's advance. Do what we do to advance the kingdom. But begin to target the dark side in every way you know. In every way you know. Here's what we've done in some cities. One area, we were going up there again and again because we heard of satanic rituals, satanic ritual abuse, an old, what's called black flame, Nazi-oriented satanic covenant. We prayed and prayed and prayed, went up there. Now, see, we've done this for years. I don't tell everybody this, but we've taken teams for years and years. We'll be, we'll be out there for four or five hours in the middle of the night, into woods, other places, uh, you know, dressed in the kind of appropriate clothing we need. We are doing it prayerfully, spiritually, but also physically out there. And I really believe that when you physically go to these areas, as the Lord calls you, you don't want to run off half-cocked, um, as you go to these areas, and you specifically set foot on those areas, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. So if you have a satanic coven having their meetings in a specific spot on the earth, that's God's land. It's not theirs. It's not Satan's. Uh, and they have no right to it, is really the reality. But because they've come there, and they've, they've come there over and over uncontested, and who knows what took place on there previously. Or whether it may be the crossing of what they call ley lines or portals or vortexes or things like that. That's neither here nor there. We still have the authority to go to these places and claim them back for the Lord Jesus Christ. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And these types of princes and principalities and demonic entities... And notice that he said that when he was praying very specifically for this coven, they couldn't they couldn't invoke any spirits at all. They were inept. They were, you know, and uh, this is why they love to be in darkness, because they realize the power that Christians would have. It's just there's very few Christians that are willing to engage, um, as they said, engage them on the battlefield. And this is a spiritual battlefield that we're really engaging. Uh, um, tactfully, you know, seeking where the rituals are going, where the stuff's going on. We've had some weird engagements. But here, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. We knew there was a victim. So years later, we've never given up the prayers. I get a call from some lady. I never met her. Please come up here. And, and I heard of you, this and so forth. Would you, I, I have no food. Would you bring me some you know, money for food? Well, gosh, I'm not going to turn that down. So I got team, you know, some guys together. We went up there. We were praying about this person was taking some food and some money up there for them. It's a big apartment complex type thing, so we couldn't find which one this person was in, so we went to the manager's office. I walked in. There's a Christian lady I haven't seen for 15 years sitting behind the desk. She's a manager. Another lady sitting in the front of the desk. Her arms are all wrapped and bloody. Here's a chosen one, a multiple, out of that Nazi black flame, you know, in the Kent, Ohio area where I'm at. Right in front of me is the victim we've looked for for years and prayed for. I even said when she opened her mouth and began to talk about what she was, I could see it in her eyes. 
She's multiple. She has demonic presence. My, my friend was with me. This lady says, Russ, you're going to know what to do. She got out of the, you know, she left the room. So I started talking. Immediately, sub-personalities began to tell me about her grandfather, the Nazi, uh, the coven where it meets, whatever else, on and on and on. And um, But then demonic stuff began to surface. So I began to pray against that and said, listen, we need to meet here in the next couple of days. And it was the most incredible, again, don't give up, keep praying, answers come, power uh, you know, is unleashed. Great things came during the days of Jonathan Edwards and others. Power can be released, but we've been given authority. It's like having massive cannons if we'll use them. And so we need to target specifics of satanic presence where they're at during the ritual dates. Just look at the ritual dates. You're going to find many times in your city and locations and churches weird or bad things going on because on those power days they're gathered more often to summon and release powers against their targets. And again, the deal is is that it's going to be, you know, where a lot of Christians said, well, let's let Pastor Russ do it or, you know, call Quail. It used to be, seriously, in those days it used to be, or uh, my dear mother-in-law who's now 93 and people still call her for deliverance, because a lot of, i got to tell you, Russ, most evangelicals don't want to touch it. Most of the Pentecostals, uh, you know, want to dismiss it, or they want to, you know, take it out of the back, or throw it in the back room and go on with their inane golf, uh, you know, stories. But the deal is, Jesus said, you know, this is something interesting. Everybody will pray the Lord's Prayer, but what did Jesus say? He said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, that means that the kingdom of God has come to you this day, right? You want, to, you want to bet most people wouldn't want to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, if they knew they would be required to step up to the pump? And see, yeah. the, re- the requirement is not to, you know, ob- i, I got to tell you, obedience is better than sacrifice. But loving, seeing someone who Satan has bound all these years, set free, is the greatest joy I have ever experienced in my entire life second only to someone who's backslidden, I used to live in that world, and come back to Jesus, okay? Those are the two greatest joys. Look, I, I've been a wild guy. I've done everything that you could want to do at twice the speed or three times the speed that was legal, and the deal is the greatest joy I've ever seen is when someone who has been bound by the devil is set free. And I would put in that realm heal too. Because when you see the power of God, and that's the key, the reason the kids are lost, and, and pretty much our generation, I'm 58, and, you know, my kids are, are walk with the Lord, but they've never seen the supernatural power of God to the degree that you and I have experienced it. And that's a tragedy, because we put our children in what I call hell holes, called national education centers, and they'll wonder why they basically give up their faith and are taken away by every wind of doctrine. Exactly. And that's, and that's why I mentioned the Book of Acts. If we will take the Book of Acts as a field manual now, and you will see the constant progression of the church in some of the worst situations. Philip, by himself, Acts chapter 8, goes into a city, demonized. How do we know that? Well, the end of the story. It tells us that as he travels in there, preaches the kingdom of God, the basileia, the rule of God, that means power. The kingdom of God is not talk, it's power. And the power is expressed uh, in, in getting people saved, healed, and demons were leaving people, even the high priest that had the high power, that, made, that gathered the high and the low people. 
if the city is, is being captivated by occultic powers, what good is it if we just say so? What good is it if we just acknowledge and say, well, if those powers are here, the symbols... No, we have to do what they did. They were on the field. They carried the message in, clothed with power. Whatever came up, they're preaching, of course, the core of it all, salvation, as you've mentioned. Nothing is greater. One of the greatest personal times in my life was leading uh, my 79-year-old grandmother who came from Dalmatia, Croatia, to Christ. Uh, never has there been greater joy than that, Steve. But accompanying that central frontline issue of getting people saved comes, you know, the compassion of Jesus to still heal people um, and the overwhelming need, where it's needed, for, for deliverance. When the kingdom is expressed from a local, you know, church, it doesn't have to be a whole church. Look, Stephen was by himself. He went into that town by himself. He manifested all of who Jesus is, the kingdom, everything about what Jesus promised to that city that was cloaked in darkness. And uh, obviously, uh, God just just literally trashed the dark side. And it says the city, at the end of the whole matter, was filled with joy. Demons went out of people with screeches. Now, that's biblical. Now, the only way that's going to happen, here's what I've told people over the years, too. You could sit in a pew. Anybody can sit in a pew for two hours even and listen. Or we can go off to... You know, hyper meetings that last four or five hours, and we go to the same meetings, the same meetings, the same meetings, the same meetings, the same meetings. We yell louder, we dance bigger, we, we, we you know, take trash can lids and bang them together, and we do it again and again and again and again and again, but we're still not out on the field. The field, in the book of Acts, is where they were. That's where most all the salvations took place, almost all the signs and wonders took place, and most all the deliverances and demonic engagements occurred. That's where it occurred while they were active doing the stuff. Most Christians are so afraid to witness to somebody, it's evidence the Spirit of God, the fire of God is grieved, quenched, and, uh, and suppressed. And either we repent and get over this and launch out, uh, because only in that obedient launching out comes the full uh, array of God's manifestation. And that's, that's always triumphant. That's always powerful. Uh, everywhere it occurs. Well, again, and uh, this is interesting, because Revelation 12, 10 through 12 says, And I heard a loud voice in, in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they, the people on earth, I'm filling that in, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the, seal for the, and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back after the break, after station identity. Okay, so this is the final uh, little clip here. It's about a four, little over a 14-minute clip, and that will uh, conclude the uh, teaching for today. So we'll go ahead and play that now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third hour of Shattering the Darkness. Very special guest and the head of the Shatter the Darkness Network, Russ Dizdar. Now, Russ, in the last hour, I think it's really critical that people understand that we have something that is so special and so absolutely of, of immeasurable price. It was called the pearl of great price. But the point is is that 
I, I don't think people understand the value of their testimony. King David said, let the man whom the Lord has redeemed say so. How do we get, Russ, honestly, by the grace of God, obviously, and by the supernatural manifestation of God, how do we get it through to people that is not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, in a real and functional setting? Because I believe we're up against the shortest time frame ever experienced, and, and meaning I don't know if it's next week or the month after, but I know this, time has run out. And if the angels of heaven in Revelation 12 say, whoa, okay, and again, they're saying, whoa, uh, unto you inhabitants of the earth, you know, uh, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which has accused you and I and everyone b before God day and night, then we got a bunch of stuff to deal with. We sure do. And I mean, that's like, that is such an understatement. I mean, I guess, I guess, okay, you know that you and I are on this radio at this time by divine appointment. I know you know, you walk in the Spirit of God. By the grace of God, we are, are, are given this rare opportunity to have three hours. God bless you, Todd. Thank you, Global Star. Ladies and gentlemen, what a wonderful thing Todd has done at Global Star to make this happen. But ladies and gentlemen, what you're hearing tonight is the matter of not only life and death, but eternal salvation. So let's just go into the full scale again. And I always put into context the importance of what you're going to say now is if you could, the last statement, I've always thought, what will be my last words on earth? What would you say to those listening? Because this, I promise you, this show, by the grace of God and by people, uh, I sense, uh, you know, that will feel a, a sense of, of empowerment and of strengthening and having some blanks filled in, Russ, are going to take this, and this thing will probably go go viral worldwide in the next 72 hours. So what are your absolute, if you will, Russ's, here's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, here's what you must realize, here's what you've got to do. Well, you mentioned the, the chapter 12 of Revelation, the time is short. Now notice what the scripture says. If we really believe the scriptures, then we've got we to take time to look. You know, Satan is furious. That word referring to his wrath means there is an emotional intensity. There is a, a passion on his side. He's a real entity because he knows his time. Notice this. He knows his time is short. So what does he do? He brings the fullest onslaught in human history. He's going to bring more into this world, more deception, more destruction, uh, more possession. Uh, we got to remember there, there are probably hundreds of millions of demonic entities. There's powers, there's rulers, there's the cosmic, the, the forces in the heavens. So, if biblical prophecy says and tells us we will have the biggest or the greatest ramping up of satanic presence in human history, if that leads to political uh, and, and global uh, crashes, economic crashes, it leads to great chaos and the rise of the Antichrist, then we should understand that the rumblings from that side I mean, things are being shaken. And if we can't read the times, Jesus mentions it in Matthew 24, but it's all due to our lack, all due to, due to the... And I think part of it deals with, again, the spiritual atmosphere around us lends itself to putting the church to sleep. What do we do? Rise up again, you know, surrendering every part of our being to Christ, yielding to the Spirit of God, looking again at the scriptures, knowing that we're part of an agenda, we're part of a mission. Jesus Christ even said, both in Matthew and Mark, he's not going to return visibly to the world for the gospel's preached to every single tribe, people, language, everywhere in the world. We're part of a mission. 
We're not just waiting for Satan to fill, fulfill his mission. We know his is ramping up. As a matter of fact, what moves me, Steve, is to see the radical evil. It, 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 just, it, it just irks me. It just, uh, when I see it, it's like when Jesus saw what was happening in the temple, it said zeal for his house consumed him, and he went in there and did something about it. When are we going to take the zeal, the passion that we have for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the salvation of people, who wants to see anybody go to hell? Who wants to see, you know, all this uh, come about? So I know that the mission of God is the number one thing that is backed by heaven. And so if I'm committed to that and uh, if I'm stepping out to see that fulfilled, I will see things. I will see what we've seen in the book of Acts. Many Christians haven't because they've never been put on the field. They've never stepped out. They've never done these things to you. And we need to, that's one thing we need to know. The time is short. The devil knows it. We should know it. Can I ask you and, a question, Russ? Sure. The book of Revelation says the fearful and the cowards and the unbelieving go into the lake of fire. Does that cause you concern? Because it does me, you know. I mean, again, uh, you're, you're aware that immediately when you step into this realm, as you have been, you, you get, obviously, every attack uh, known under hell or, you know, and from the fallen ones. But the deal is, is that why is it that, that there is this great silence within... And, and again, I'm not talking about nominal Christians. The thing that is, is, is perplexing to me is that the name of the Lord is slandered. The name of every false idol and, uh, 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 if you will, uh, uh, fallen angel, the gods of the, uh, of Paul said it, didn't he? He said the gods of Gentiles worship are nothing but demons. So why is it that Christians somehow expect that they're going to, uh, just basically escape all this stuff. Number one, when they, nobody around them knows they're a Christian. Number two, they're embarrassed about Jesus. Number three, they wouldn't dare take on anything that would cause any political correctness. Does this not seem insane to you? Or is well, it, it just... Is. Yeah, it is. Okay, because I, I need you to tell me that, brother. I need, I need your comfort, because I absolutely... Look, I get it intellectually, but it still bothers me in my heart. It really does bother me. Well... Well, it bothers, it bothers the Lord Jesus. It bothers the Holy Spirit. He can be quenched, and he can be grieved. Grieved means to be made sorrowful through our own sin. Quenched, the idea of putting a, a wet blanket on fire. We're told in, in, sec, in 1 Thessalonians 5, the command is, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Right. So the, the Spirit of God, he's a raging fire. He's out to win the world. He's out to exalt Christ. He's out to, to back the real body of Christ but backing them in the mission. What good is it to be filled with... What if, what if you had every spiritual gift, all the power of God, yet you memorized the entire scripture, and you just sat in your basement? Um, it, it would be maybe good for us, personally. Maybe, maybe what Christians in America need to hear is two things. We're selfish, and we're lazy. I, well, we're I, selfish. I, yeah, absolutely. We're selfish in the sense that we spend... In 168 hours a week, we're, we're, it, we're spending almost all of our time on ourselves. We're watching more television than prayer. Who witnesses any longer? Who wins the soul? When's the last time anybody's won a soul? When's the last time any of us done any of this kind of stuff? When's the last time we've seen pastors passionate? There are some. I mean, there's people that I know that are passionate. They're out there constantly. But in the book of Acts 542, it says this. This was the testimony of the real believers then. They never stopped preaching, and, you know, going from house to house in temple courts, preaching that Jesus was Christ. And, um, and they just never stopped. That was the testimony. Some Christians have never started. 
And that's what we need to do. Instead of just being, and again, it's not about just being browbeat about being selfish or, you know, about, you know, because in America we're, we're trained to be selfish, so we'll be buying the marketing, so we'll buy the hamburger and, 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 and buy all the new stuff. We're trained by the world that way. Well, the Word of God says, don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. That's, that's Romans 12. So I think, again, the Word of God continues to help cleanse us and, and keep us uh, victorious over the fallen world system, the old flesh nature, and every, every uh, uh, strategy of the enemy. But the best place to be, the most powerful place to be, the most incredible place is active in ministry, reaching souls for Jesus, is the forefront of what God is all about. He's not willing that even one human being. And I, and I, I could imagine out of the hundreds of thousands listening and listening in the next couple of days, there are those soldiers, other people in hidden places that are listening, even those, Steve, that monitor your station. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'll get a rundown uh, from my uh, Internet service provider of how many military uh, computers are listening to this because i got to tell you, you know, it's not a, a rocket science to track that kind of stuff down. Yeah. Right. And, and here's the neat thing. In this sacred, providential moment, God might be inviting them to come and surrender and turn their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Even right now, wherever they're at. And, and, and politicians listening and soldiers and military leaders listening, I'll say it again, whether you want to laugh this off or not, those are the two primary targeted areas. The full force of satanic powers and workings are targeting the political and the military side for the coming globalism and uh, the coming chaos and the rise of the leader. They're targeted. So now is the time. Come to Christ. Receive him right now. The word of God is simple. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was in my home by myself. I went to a party, I was into occultism, we were drinking, we were high, 40 people packing out, the, the walls were vibrating with metal music, and all of a sudden somebody yelled and screamed, hey, Steve, this, this guy named Steve, by the way, this is 35 years ago, and this guy walked into the party, and I saw him turn to the first person, and I didn't know what he's doing, the music went down, I can hear him sharing Jesus and how they need to come to Christ and how they need to do it now. Everybody began to just look left and right, hand their marijuana to somebody else. I followed three people. They ran into the bathroom. They, I, they locked me out. They wouldn't let me in. They were just hiding from the man. This guy walked into this big party. He, it just seemed like he, a, a light beamed into the, into the entire party. He was going one by one by one. I, Steve, I don't know what was wrong with me. I ran to the back porch, went to the left, and hid from the guy. And I'm back there, all confused, psychologically, like, what am I doing hiding? What's wrong with this? I'm a spiritual person. I'm learning how to leave my body. I'm at, a, I'm at a Buddhist temple, learning from this martial arts master from China. That's what I'm thinking. But then the door opens, and this guy walks out. And uh, I knew, on a certain level, powers. But when he walked out, I'd never seen anything like it. There was such a power, such a presence I was undone. I didn't know what to say. I was looking. I couldn't even look him in the eyes. And he was so filled with a love and a presence. It's like God walked out on that porch. And I couldn't get off quick enough. I, I, I just said, finally, I said, Steve, how are you doing? And he proclaimed to me the gospel I'd never heard before, really. Uh, he told me. I, w I, I was still so undone. I said, i got to get out of here. I got in my car, left the apartment. That was my apartment. And drove clear back to my mom and dad's home. Told them, hey, I'm staying here tonight went down the basement, and again, down in the basement by myself, I thought I could get away. But 
that presence, that sense, I knew it was God. All I knew, Steve, was what I, because I, I wasn't a Bible reader. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know a chapter. I, I wasn't a Bible reader. But I heard, you know, enough to know that they said, Jesus loves you, Russ. He'll come into your heart. Just pray. Do what the Word of God says. Ask Him. He'll come in with power. Well, that was night 35 years ago that I, by myself, three or four in the morning, bowed, cried out, said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. Jesus, come into my life. Steve, all I know is like the gates of heaven just flooded in. I mean, this doorways opened up. God came in. I felt darkness go out. Christ was alive. Uh, he's never left in 35 years. Yes, we battled. Yes, we fought over the years. Yes, we're fighting for people. And you'll get bruised, and you'll get kicked, and you'll get spit on, and you'll get demons, you know, you'll get attacks along the way. So what? So what? That's what all this... Is, is, is our lives boiled down to just pleasing ourselves and having the most carefree life possible? That's not a Christian. A Christian is a warrior. A Christian is a battler. And uh, the, the quicker we learn that and take the Word of God and step out in faith knowing that Jesus, He has never left me in 35 years, Steve. He has never left me. Uh, he has picked me up many times when I've been hurting, when I've been down. Um, but how can, how, can, how can we neglect so great a salvation and the need of others to get it in the most, well, most crucial times. We're coming to a time when so much satanic power will be released. Those already, you know, halfway into those dark waters, if they don't get some, you know, someone to grab a hold of them now, kind of like Jude says, snatch them from the fire now, um, listen, they, they may sink all the way and lose themselves forever. Okay, so that's the, that's the teaching for today. And a, a lot of, uh, a lot of convicting things that uh, Russ was talking about, and uh, um, these are just things that we we need to be in prayer about. Uh, he had mentioned about you know all of the Christians out there being warriors in a certain sense. The Bible talks about being a good soldier, and um, in that regard, and I've said this before, but we're we're the body of Christ, and in each part has a different function, and we're not all called to do the exact have the exact same ministry, I should say. Yes, we're all called to pray and get in the Word of God and stay right with the Lord. These things I bring up today through this teaching, a lot of these things you might not have ever known about, known to pray against this type of wickedness. And um, these are something that, yes, we, we should all be, be doing. Um, for the sake, you know, think about the suffering that is going on most likely on a daily basis, at the hands of these Satanists, at the hands of who knows what's going on in underground bases. It's the depths of Satan, things that we can't comprehend, the pedophiles that are out there. And many times, these are the people, the most powerful people on the planet um, are the ones that are orchestrating these things. Satan is obviously orchestrating it from a spiritual standpoint. But uh, these are things that, we should be coming against in prayer. And this is one of the reasons why I did, and I've done mentioned many times, the imprecatory prayers in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 64 is, is one of the, the main ones where um, we're actually, it's a warfare type of prayer. And it's a protective prayer over the Christian. And it's also a uh, asking God to judge the wicked in their wickedness that all men would see and fear 
and declare the work of God. I believe that proclaiming the word of God and praying these prayers and really believing them, and specifically, if you, the more targeted your prayers can become, like let's say you literally knew the name of a coven in a particular area like he had talked about, that's all the better. Uh, when, when you target your prayers, I just think that there's, a, there's another dynamic that takes place. So um, just wanted to mention that, and um, we'll go ahead and, and close this out in a word of prayer um, and end this teaching today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, all your goodness and your mercy that you've bestowed upon us, for the freedoms that you've given us, Lord, and, and the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, Lord, the clothes that we have, our, our shelter, Lord, everything that you've given us. We praise you and we thank you for this, Lord. I pray that we would always be thankful, Lord, to you, no matter what state therewith we are in, therewith we would be content. I do pray that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Lord God, we, we do claim Psalm 64 in the name of Jesus Christ, inasmuch as it would apply to this situation regarding these things. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of lane of snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God. And the righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and shall trust in Him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. And I do pray, God, that this be what you would do to the wicked, Lord God, that will not repent. You know the beginning from the end, Lord God, that you would judge them, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. For we know, Lord, when you do this, conversions always happen to Christ. It's always a positive thing. Fear falls upon the body of Christ, and um, revival will take place in that type of environment. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.